0: Today, I am going to talk about part two of Declaration of Dependence. Well, Andrew Murray says this, he says that prayer is the pulse of life. By it, the doctor can tell what is the condition of the heart. Prayer is the pulse of life and by it, the doctor can tell what is the condition of the heart. Well, friends, what is your prayer life like if the only prayer you ever pray in your whole life is just to thank God for the meal that you're going to eat, you know, it sounds something like this, good God, good bread, good meat, let's eat, amen. You know, if that's all you pray um, in your whole life, then you will know that that reveals the depth of your prayer life, amen. And it also reveals, your prayer also reveals the condition of your heart. And in this case, I think it also reveals the condition of your stomach, Now, what is prayer? Well, prayer is our declaration of dependence on God. Now, I know the Americans have their uh, declaration of independence, which is good for human rights. Now, there is a place for all of that. But you know, for us, prayer is really our declaration of dependence on God. Amen? Now, in part one, I said three things about prayer. I said that prayer is not duty, but desire. And then I also say that prayer is not a monologue, but dialogue. And then the third thing I said, that prayer is our declaration of dependence on God. Amen? Now, if you have read the Bible and know about the Apostle Paul, you will know that the Apostle Paul understood the concept of dependence on God clearest. He understood this important truth. In fact, if you read his writings, he's constantly asking the people to pray for him that the will of God may be done in his life. And look at what he says, all right? We're going to look into the Bible and look at what he says about his life and his ministry. Second Corinthians 1, it says, he says this, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. How many of you know that the Apostle Paul had a very tough ministry life? Yeah, and he says this, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. And on him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Look at Paul's writing. He says that we need to know that we do not rely on ourselves, but we rely on God. Amen? Now, even with all his education, even with all his spiritual insight and experience, Paul knew that he could not do his work alone. He knows that he needs to rely and depend on God. Amen? Yeah, so you and I, we will only pray when we realize how dependent on God and how much we need Him. The Bible says this, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. We need Him because we are humans and He is God. We have limited capacity, limited abilities in our humanness, but we need to rely on Him in His Godness because he's unlimited and He is great and He is God. Amen. So friends, in that light, it brings me to point four in a prayer series. Point four is this. Prayer is not an option, but a necessity. Prayer is not an option, but a necessity. We not only desire Jesus, we need Him. Amen? Martin Luther King Jr. says this. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And I'll say that to you again. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Friends, prayer is like breath to us. We need it to survive, amen? We not only desire Jesus, but we need him. So today, we're going to look into one part in the scripture that's very interesting. And if you would, please turn with me to Isaiah 40. Are you there? You are there, I know, because you have handphones. If you had been using Bibles, I wouldn't say so quickly. All right, Isaiah 40. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Well, this is a very interesting scripture because it specifically says that even young people can get tired. How many young people do we have here today? How many of you, how many people who think they are young are sitting right here today? Come on, put up your hands. Be unashamed. Unashamed, we're all young. So, they're saying that even the youth can get tired, right? Or the parents say, amen. Now, the young people, they can boast about their strength, they can boast about their energy, but there comes a day when they know that they come to the end of themselves. So, what Isaiah 40 is saying is that if we trust ourselves, if we trust in ourselves, we will fail and we will faint. But if we wait on the Lord, if we depend on Him, we will receive strength for our journey. Amen. So I'm speaking to every Heart of God Church member here. I know that all of you love the church. And you know, the Bible is very clear on one thing. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And you know, if you love Heart of God Church, all the more you need to pray for it because we need to depend on God to build this church. Amen. Especially when we are in this new season. And uh, in this new season, you know, a lot of people are coming to the Lord in our services. And we have come to a new season as well where Many people are coming here to to be on internship. Many people are coming here to learn from our church. Heart of God Church is a huge responsibility. We in this new season, all the more we need God. Amen. Unless the Lord builds Heart of God Church, we labor in vain. And it's not just about the house of God. How about your house? How about your lives? You know, if you are a young parent here and you are raising babies and toddlers and you know that, you need the Lord to build your household. Amen? You need the Lord to build your household. And for some of you here, you are businessmen, and it's the same. It applies to you. Unless the Lord builds your business, you labor in vain. We need Him. Amen? Prayer is not an option. It is a necessity. Now, let's look closer into Isaiah 40, okay? Now, in in this chapter, the word wait has a very significant meaning. The word wait does not suggest that you and I sit around and do nothing and let God do everything. Well, it is a very active word. That word wait has a very active connotation. It means really in its original language, it means to hope, to actively look to God for all that we need. To wait is to hope, amen? And that means we need to continue to meditate on His character and on His promises, praying and seeking for Him all the time. Now, the word, another word, renew, right? The word renew in this passage has a very deep meaning. It means to exchange. And we think to ourselves, what do we exchange for? Well, when you come before the presence of God there is an exchange that goes on it that the idea is like you are putting off your old clothes and you are putting on new clothes so what what do we do when we come before God well when we come before God we are exchanging our weaknesses for his power the Bible says that his strength is made perfect in weakness every time we feel weak that is an opportunity for God's strength to show itself amen So what do we do? We come before God and we say, God, we admit our shortcomings as humans. God, please display your power. It works in all areas. We need to depend on our God. If you are a leader, whether at work, in church, or anywhere else in your home, you know what? You can come before God in your weakness and exchange for his power. Some of us feel inadequate as a parent. We feel inadequate as a leader. We can come before God and say, God, I'm not a natural leader. But God, I exchange my weakness for your power. You can grow me, God. Or if you are parenting, you can come before God. God, I'm not a perfect parent. How many perfect parents do we have in this room? Put up hands. Yeah. We are very honest. <laughs> Yeah, so we know we can come before God. We're not a perfect parent, but God, help me in my parenting. Empower me in my parenting, amen? And some of you businessmen, you can come before God and exchange your weakness for His power. God, there is only so much that business strategies can do. God, take me beyond that. I need you, amen? Come into my business and lead me. So the Bible says as we wait before Him, as we come before His presence and exchange our weakness for His power, He enables us to soar or to fly when there's a crisis. He enables us to run when there are challenges, and He enables us to walk faithfully in the day-by-day demands of our lives. Amen? Amen. Now, it's very interesting if you look at Isaiah 40, do you notice it says, you shall fly, right? Right? You shall soar up with wings and eagles, And then you will run and you will not be weary. And then you will walk and you will not faint. So the progression is fly, run, and walk. And it really is a very strange progression. Because when you and I talk in life, usually we talk about how we walk first, and then we run, and then we fly, right? That is a more normal progression. Why is the progression so unusual? Well, this is because... God is looking for longevity and not a short flight. You know, you and I, we do not want to be just a flash in the pan Christians. We do not want to start out brilliantly and then fizzle out and just become, you know, a non-spark at the end of our journey. God wants us, the right progression to move is from flying to running, and eventually you and I need to settle down to a stable pace of walking in our Christian life. See, flying and running, you can't keep these two going on forever. It is unsustainable, amen? That's why you got to learn how to walk eventually. Eventually. Do you know walking is harder? It is harder to walk in the ordinary day-to-day routine pressures of life than to fly like an eagle in the time of a crisis. In a time of a crisis, your your body has the adrenaline. It kicks in and you're ready for a flight or a fight. So that's what crisis does to you. All your adrenaline is geared up. But it's harder to do the day-to-day, the the mundane and the banal and the routine. And you know, for me, I can tell it to you that it was actually a lot easier for me to pray when I was having cancer. But now, when I've settled down to my life, you know what? It is harder to pray in the day-to-day pressures of work demand, family demands. It is harder to walk. Amen? So, friends, the Christian life is essentially a walk. If you read the Bible, you will know that the Bible talks a lot about the Christian life being a walk. It says, walk by faith, not by sight. Walk in love. Walk in the Spirit. Amen? Now, so you can fly high with emotions after every service, right? And uh, you can run always with great passion. But you know, flying all the time is unsustainable. Running all the time is unsustainable. But you know what, friends? If you learn to walk daily into His presence, you will walk and you will not faint. Amen? When you learn to pray daily as a believer of God and totally involve God in what you do and totally depend on Him daily, you know what? You will not be weary and you will not fall. Amen? William Carey, the father of modern missions, he has this to say. He says, I can plot, that is my only genius. I can persevere in any definite pursuit, to this I owe everything. Let me say that to you again, I love this quote. It says, I can plot, and that is my only genius. I can persevere in any definite pursuit, and to this I owe everything. You know what friends, Pastor Howe and I, We don't really consider ourselves to be very charismatic people, but there is one thing that he and I do very well, and that is he and I can plot. He and I can do the day-to-day with great consistency, and that is our only genius. He and I can plot very well, and that is our only genius. You know what? He and I, when we walk the day-to-day, we find miracles in the mundane We find beauty in the banal and we find riches in the routine. That is our strength. We can plot and we can walk. And you know, the greatest people, the greatest heroes of faith are not always those who seem to be flying all the time or running all the time. Often it is those people who are patiently plotting day by day, plotting, walking in His presence and totally dependent on Him. Charles Spurgeon says this, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. You know, Noah got them to come two by two. Even the snails made it. They made it because of perseverance. Friends, as we wait on the Lord and as we pray regularly, God enables us not to just fly higher and run faster, but he enables us to walk longer. And I say to you, Blessed are the plotters, for they shall eventually reach their destination. Amen. So settle in your life to a walk with Christ. There are the high moments where you will fly, and there will suddenly be the excited moments where you will run. But you know what? Eventually, stability in your Christian life will only come when you learn to settle into a walk with Him. Walking daily into your presence, God. And you know what it says? It says, when you walk, you will not faint. Amen. Now, Luke 18.1 is very interesting. It says, There Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So losing heart is associated with when you stop praying. So why are you losing heart? Perhaps it's because you have stopped coming into His presence Stop declaring your dependence on Him in a day-to-day. Jesus said, men always ought to pray and never lose heart. Amen? So don't let a day go by without talking to Jesus. Prayer is not an option, but it is a necessity. So you know what? I'm going to pause a little bit in this part of the service. So I'm going to pause here, and I'm just going to ask some questions. How many of you here, you are losing hope? Well, my encouragement to you is to pray. And how many of you are feeling the pressure and crumbling under the day-to-day pressures of being a wife or a husband or a father or a mother or some of you who are young people, the pressures of being just a son or daughter or a student in the Singapore education system. You know, you feel the pressures. Well, let me encourage you, if you feel all of those things, the demands of the office that you return to from Monday to Saturday, the demands of family that you run every day, the demands of your own life, well, My solution for you is this. You got to pray. Men always ought to pray and never lose heart. You lose heart when you stop praying. So today, as you sit here, may I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask you, how many of you are waking up every morning feeling extremely overwhelmed? And sometimes you just don't know how you're going to live through your day. But you know what? There is a power that's waiting for you to tap on. Our spirit is like a battery. It needs to be recharged. When you come before the presence of God, you know what? You are charging the battery. Sometimes when we use, we're depleted. The more you use your spirit, the more depleted you are as you walk the daily lives. Well, it depletes, but you know what? It can be recharged, revived, replenished when you come into the presence of God. It is like... An iPhone that is depleted until and unless it is charged, there will not be a full bar. You coming into the presence of God, that is you being recharged. And you know what? Pretty soon you're going to find His strength on you to live for what you used to feel overwhelmed with. So today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you would say, Pastor? I need to understand this and today is probably the first time in a long week that I actually have time to pause and just drink in the presence of God. And in this part of the service, I want to lift up my cares. I want to lift up my concerns. I want to lift up my weakness to God. That is you. Just lift up your hands right now. That's right. If you don't do this now, you'll never do it at home. Trust me. Just lift up your hands and just begin to lift that situation to God. Just going to tell it to Him. That's right. Tell it to Him. Tell it to Him. Just tell it to Him. Open your lips. Tell Him, God, I come before you right now in my declaration of dependence. I wait on you. It's not a negative, passive kind of thing to just wait and wait for you to do everything, but my eyes are constantly looking, looking actively to hope in you. God, it's not just an empty meeting between you and I, but God, I come before you and I exchange my weakness for your power right now. Weakness for your power. Take my weakness, God, and I receive your power. That's right. Let's give Jesus a big hand. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Are you ready for point five? Point five in declaration of dependence is this. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. Friends, like a car, when you pray, you're actually putting fuel in your tank. How many of you know that a car without fuel is actually useless, amen? It will eventually run out of power. And so you can have the best looking car, the most branded, the most expensive, but if it does not have fuel, it is not going anywhere. So prayers are important because prayers keep your tank filled with fuel. So a believer's life is very weak without prayer. If you do not pray, you will find yourself in a weak position, Now, Luke 11.1 is very interesting. It talks about Jesus and a little encounter with His disciples. It says, once, Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as He finished, one of His disciples came to Him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, this is a revealing verse. There are a couple of things to take note of. First, do you realize that Jesus actually prays? And friends, if Jesus prays, He's the Son of God, how much more you and I need to pray, amen? And the second thing is this, the disciples, when they came to Him, They didn't say, Jesus, please teach us how to come into church and be a Christian. Teach us how to lead the CG, how to raise the dead, heal the sick. Jesus, please teach us how to be this and that. But you know what he said? They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. So they understood one thing. The disciples understood one thing. They were close to Jesus. They were leaders around him. But they understood that the level of leadership position you are at does not make a difference, but the level of God inside of you does. The level of leadership position you are at does not make a difference, but the level of God inside of you does. So they know that a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. Friends, real power does not come from your position in life. It does not come from any leadership position in life, but it comes really from the level of God that is inside of you. And the disciples knew it. They knew they needed that power that came from the life of Jesus. They knew they needed a declaration of dependence, so they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. So, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. That's what the scripture says. But you know what? By the same token, we can say this, unless the Lord builds our house, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds our career, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds our marriage, we labor in vain. Amen? You know what? We need a declaration of dependence in our own lives. So, today, I want to talk a little bit about how Pastor Howe and I, we build our own house. How we build our family. And how we build our child. And uh, how many parents here sitting here right now? Amen. Amen. God's going to greatly bless you in this service today. Amen. Now, ever since our daughter was a little girl, we have been praying for her regularly. And this is a good point to note for all Uh, young parents of toddlers and kids, you know what? You need to pray for your kid very regularly. Pastor and I have been praying for her regularly and in our time of prayer, we have a few constant uh, cry that we presented before God. And we always tell this to God. We say, God, you know, we may be pastors, But we need you to reveal yourself to our daughter. We say, God, you really don't have grandchildren. You know, our daughter cannot be your grandchild by virtue of our relationship with you. You have no grandchildren. God, she needs to be your child. God, she needs you to reveal to her personally as a heavenly father. And you know, from young, I've always prayed this prayer for my daughter. And I said, God, you know, you have to reveal yourself to her at a young age. And I pray, God, that at a young age, she will know what she is called to do. And I say this, God, before 12 years old, she must know and she will know what her purpose in life is. And she will have a revelation of you. And you know i have seen far too many pastor's children they have gone wayward into the outside world and become you know getting themselves into a lot of problems and then later on coming back to the lord at a much later stage in life and i saw that and i said god this shall not happen there will be no detours in my daughter's life there will be no wasted years there will be no wasted tears god you know before 12 she will have a revelation of what her purpose in life, is and we have only one arrow. God, this arrow in our lives, it will be shot out, we will hit its mark, and it will be in one straight flight. No detours, no crooked ways, amen. And so that's what I constantly pray, even when she was a baby. And Dad, of course, Pastor Howe, Dad, and he used the scriptures in Isaiah 11:2 to pray. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now... This is talking about the spirit being on Jesus. But nevertheless, my husband was very inspired to pray this verse of our daughter. So he would constantly go, God, let the spirit of, of wisdom and understanding come upon my child. Let your spirit of counsel, and my God, let the spirit of knowledge and a, a fear come upon her. So how many of you know that when we talk to God, he actually talks back? So in the year 2013, um, that year, the Lord spoke very clearly to my heart. He says this, he said, you have to captivate and capture your daughter's mind this year. You have to captivate and you have to capture her mind this year. So we, we got that word. I got a word from the Lord. And uh, so I started to work it. So on a natural level, uh, what I first started to do was that I started to, to stir up her imagination on a natural level. Uh, you know, I have a habit of telling her bedtime stories, right? So, I do that. And uh, so, during bedtime, I would tell her stories. I uh, didn't use books for a period of time because God spoke this. So, I would tell her stories. And i tell her stories about uh, bushes that fly and human beings that disappear in thin air, just trying to push the boundary of imagination a little bit. So, before bedtime, both of us were there and I was saying, okay, you know, I, I got to do this. God says to captivate her mind. So, I'm pushing the imagination boundary. So, we would tell her stories. And of course, i will be the more tired one, and I was, you know, like, Half dying, and she's there, and then half. Sometimes I just open my eyes and I realize that she's like wide awake with an amused look on her face, you know. And I realize, oh, my stories were a little too far fetched. Um, cows that bark and uh, dogs that moo, you know, like. So he's like, you know. So I go, okay, 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 okay. Okay, I understand. In it. case okay, too far fetched, I gotta tone it down a notch. Okay, alright, let's. God says to captivate her mind, not to confuse it. All right. So, so okay, okay, uh, be a good mother now, you know. Just, so, so I keep telling her on a natural level those stories. So on a spiritual level, that is uh, what I do too, is that I was very serious. Every night I would tell her stories about the lives of people who were changed by the power of God in church. And I would tell her story after story of how people encountered God and had their lives changed. And what I was really doing was I was captivating her mind with stories about the power of God. And you know, her mind was really captivated by God. So she goes to school, she starts to see people through the eyes of Jesus. And she starts to ask herself, whose life can be changed by the power of God today? And she was constantly concerned about who is not going to heaven because they do not have Jesus in their lives. So she talks about Jesus to all her friends And she invites them to church. So her mind was just full of that. Now, Pastor Howe, dad, dad, he was captivating her mind by showing her different things, right? We are both very different, you should know by now. So dad was captivating her mind with uh, principles for finance. So, (laughs) well, we compliment each other. (laughs) Babe, I'm going to teach you principles of finance. And so, she, he, he broke it all down to five areas. And, uh, you know, there's tithing, giving, save, spend. And because dad is a businessman, he has invest as well. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, when I sat there, I go, thank God I married you. <laughs> Oops. Okay, okay. So, so what he, she was told, I mean, I was learning too secretly, but don't tell people, okay? <laughs> You should have taught me this years ago. So, so he, she learned, and she was so captivated by, by, by God's concept of money. Friends, I'm talking to all the parents here. You need to captivate and capture the mind of your children. If you do not, the world is going to come in and captivate their minds with its secular systems, with its value systems. If you do not captivate the minds of your children with the things of God, the devil is going to come in and give them an ungodly paradigm. We need a declaration of dependence in our parenting. Do not, do not just focus on academics. Now, it is important In our our church, we preach academic excellence. Do, please, focus on academic excellence in your children, but let it not be the only focus. Let God captivate their minds and their hearts and their souls and their spirits, amen. There is a problem in our nation we parents, we only focus on wanting to raise our kids to be superpowers in school. But hey, there's a whole lot of things that are going on in their lives. Amen? If you, you, if you love God and you want your children to love God, there's no two ways about it. You've got to captivate their minds and their hearts with the things of God, with the things in the house of God. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. And let me tell you the same thing, a prayerless parent is a powerless parent. Be spiritual in your parenting. Amen? Amen. And let me tell you what, you are not powerless when it comes to your children. God has not left us powerless as a parent. A prayerful parent is a powerful parent. SD Gordon says this, prayer is the striking blow. Service is simply picking up the pieces. Prayer is the striking blow. Service is simply picking up the pieces. Friends, after you have prayed, it is always so much easier to do. And after you have prayed, it is always so much easier to parent. Prayer strikes the winning blow. It is then easier to pick up the spoils of the victory in parenting. Amen. For our lives, it just came from one word from God. But you know what? if you trace the origins back to where it came from, it was us standing in front of God and saying, God, we may have pastored thousands of young people, but I don't think we are that great when it comes to our own child, God. God, we declare our dependence on you. We need you to help us to parent our child. We need you to help raise a leader in our house, God. We have seen too many stories of parents with wayward children who make big detours in their lives. God, please help us. It all started with a Declaration of Dependence. And the Word of God came. Amen. Amen. Prayer strikes the winning blow, and then you pick up the pieces. Amen. Friends, a prayerful Christian is a powerful Christian. A prayerful parent is a powerful parent. And let me end on for this. A prayerful church is a powerful church. When you and I pray, we set up emotion of force, that the forces of darkness cannot stand against. Amen. Stand up with me today. You know, the presence of God, it has many facets to it. One of it is soft and ministering. Elisha, when he was really discouraged in his ministry, if you read the Old Testament, he was looking for the voice of God. He was looking for some form of encouragement from his God. But you know what the Bible said in the encounter with God? He didn't sense God in the wind, nor the earthquake, nor the fire. But the Bible said God came to Elisha in a still, small voice. God came to Elijah in a still, small voice. And that's what we did earlier in the day's sermon. We said, sit down. That's the soft presence of God. It's ministering. It's comforting. It just goes down to the parts of you. The human words cannot go down because it's soft is ministering. But you know, Some of you here, you're here for the first time, second time. I just want to shift the service a little bit to focus on the people who are here for the first time, second time, or third time, and you have not yet known Jesus. While the rest of us can recognize the voice of God in our hearts to be encouraged by it, perhaps you have not yet become a Christian. And let me tell you, God is waiting to speak to you words of encouragement, but you need to have Jesus in your life. So may I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Presence of God is here again, softly. The ministering soft facet of God's presence. If you're here for the first, second, third, fourth time and you have never received Jesus into your life, today is your day. God is waiting to speak to you so that you do not walk alone, live alone, afraid with nobody in your lives. Because Jesus will always be there for you. And today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your lives. And when I count to three, you're going to lift your hands as a sign to me to say, Pastor, yes, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus into my life. If that is you, I'm going to count to three right now. Today is your day. Don't walk away from this service not being able to hear the voice of God in His encouragement Speaking to your heart and your mind, don't walk away without a piece of God. I'm kind of counting the three right now one, two, invite Jesus into your lives today. One, two, three, hands up in the air right now, up, 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 up in the air. That's right, I see your hands right there. Up, that's right. That's right. Some of you here, you're not very sure today that you have a connection with God. And somehow, you know, it's how you charge your iPhone, but you're not very sure whether you turn on the switch because three hours later you come back, it is still an empty bar on your iPhone, on your depleted iPhone. You just want to be sure today you're connected to Jesus. And that you know him and he knows you. So for some of you here, if you're far away from Jesus and you you also want to come back to Jesus and be close to him, I'm also going to ask you to lift your hands at the count of three. For those of you who lifted your hands just now, just keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. That's right. And for those second group that I'm talking about, you want to be sure that you're connected to Jesus, the power source. If that is you, I'm going to count to three. You can put up your hands to one, two, three. Hands up in the air right now. Today is your day to come back to God. That's right. And those of you with your hands in the air, I want you to pray with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus, today, today, I give my heart to you. I give my heart to you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus today. Today. I honor you. I honor and you, you. And receive as you as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and from Savior. From today onwards, from today onwards, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. I do not walk alone. I do not walk alone anymore. anymore I walk with you. I walk with and you. And you walk with me. And you walk with me. From today onwards, from today onwards, I I depend on you. Depend on you. Rely on you. Rely on you. And you and you will be my help. Will be my help. When I need it. When I need it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The second group, we will say this: Jesus, Jesus. I come back to you today. I come back to you today. And I. And I. Want to be close to you. Want to be close to connected you. Connected to you. Connected to you. Connected to the power. Connected to the power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give all these people a big round of applause. Friends. You know. That is the soft side of God that you felt in the middle of this service. But you know, God is interesting. The presence of God is a powerful thing. There's many facets to the soft ministering. But you know, there's another facet of God that is strong and mighty and fearsome and awesome. And I'm talking about that strong facet of God. And you know, Moses, Moses knows all about that. Because Moses was involved in a battle You know, he was leading the children of Israel And he was involved in a battle against the enemies And he had a victory The Lord gave Moses and the children of Israel a victory And you know what? God just, just revealed Himself as Jehovah Nissi to Moses And what does that mean? Jehovah Nissi is the Lord, is my banner Now flags and banners are symbols of victory you know, the victor gets to raise his flag and his banner. The Lord is also called Jehovah Nisi. He is the Lord, our banner. There is a soft side to God and in the presence of God. It comes and minister to you. But there is another facet of his presence that is strong, that is powerful, that's awesome, that's fearsome. And it goes to war on your behalf. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And you know, in that story, Moses and the people were facing the enemy. But Moses did not join his people to go fight the enemy. He sent them to fight. But Moses himself, he went up on a hill and he lifted up his hands in prayer, the Bible says. And the fascinating thing was that every time his hands were lifted in prayer, the children of Israel were beating back the enemy. But every time his hand came down and he stopped praying, the enemy prevailed. And so he lifted up his hands again and he prayed and he prayed. And then the children of Israel won the battle. And the Lord revealed Himself as Jehovah Nissi, The Lord is my banner. Friends, there is a presence of God that you need to know. That's not only just soft and gentle and just, just ministering. But there is a presence of God that you need to know, that goes to war for you. Oh, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is the banner. It goes to war for you. The Lord is strong, mighty, powerful. The Lord is fearsome. To be feared. The Lord is your banner. You have reached the end of the sermon. We pray that you've been blessed by the word of God. To find out more about us, you can log on to www.hatofgodchurch.org or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at HOGC. You can also follow Pastor Leah on Facebook and Instagram at pastor.